Welcome back to Duke Day on the David Glenn Show. David Shimei joined alongside by Dave Harding as we enter our number three of the program. And we're pleased to be joined now by, I guess, Dave, you call him the author of the preeminent preseason magazine. I think that works. Phil Steele, thanks for taking some time. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, guys. So I think in ACC country, when when folks opened up their preview magazine, I don't think there were a lot that were expecting outside of Durham to see Duke projected to finish tied for second in the Coastal Division. If you could take us through kind of how you evaluate the Blue Devils heading into the fall. Well, I always put a lot of emphasis on uh, defense, and I really am high on Duke's defense this year coming into the season. Uh, they have my number 39-rated defensive line, number six set of linebackers in the country, and number 32 DBs. And I think that defense can help them win a lot of games this year. A couple other factors. Uh, Daniel Jones last year got off to a great start at QB, then sort of got banged up and was very mediocre. In fact, the uh, middle of the season was poor, got better at the end of the year. I expect him to have a good, very good junior season this year. Uh, the receiving core looks solid. And I like the uh, the interior of the offensive line looks really good this year as well. And keep in mind, last year, Duke had four net close losses. What you do for that is you take all your close wins, you subtract off your close losses, and that gives you the net close losses. That means they were basically four plays away from being an 11-2 and team last year. So I think they're underrated coming in. An experienced team, which I rate number 15 in the country, they go for number 82 or excuse me, with 15 returning starters, I should say. They go from number 82 on my experience chart up to number 40, and uh, that's why I'm so high on Duke this year. How about you know, this being Duke Day, but I, I was equally curious to find North Carolina at number two in the Coastal Division rankings. They're tied with the Blue Devils, obviously having some close losses a season ago as well. What went into to that factor, and how do you see the game between the, the two Number twos, so to speak, uh, playing out here later in the season. Excellent. And, you know, with North Carolina, when I talked to Coach Fedora this spring going over the team with them, uh, you know, he basically said, and I agree with him, if it could go wrong, it went wrong for North Carolina last year. And I've seen North Carolina pick generally about sixth, I think, in the Coastal Division and in the other magazines out there. But this is a North Carolina team that, while 3-9 and nine last year, Keep in mind, the two previous years combined, they were 13-4 and four in the ACC. So they weren't a bad team. They just had a lot of things go wrong last year. They've got eight starters back on defense, some pretty talented players. I think Fedora's done a very good job of recruiting. Uh, they have my number 14-rated special teams in the country. And offensively, I like the running backs. I think they're very deep at that unit. They've got two quarterbacks that now have experience. And both guys were fairly good uh, rated uh, recruits coming out of high school in Chaz Surratt and Nathan Elliott. And uh, up front, the offensive line, probably my biggest question mark on the team. Maybe what I like best about North Carolina this year is their schedule. The top four teams over in the Atlantic Division are Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and Boston College, at least in my mind. They get to avoid all four of those teams. So they've got an easier schedule than does Duke. As far as the North Carolina at Duke game, I've got Duke a six-point favorite in that game. But uh, I think when you look at the overall schedule, North Carolina's schedule is less taxing this year, and that's why I've got them tied. I think there's no that's no surprise wait, why you're on the Duke Day uh, radio then. <laughs> Blue Devils looking for their third straight win in that series. And get your thoughts on David Cutcliffe and the impact he's had on the Duke program. I, I know you do unit rankings in, in your magazine, and, and he's right there at the top. And to me, it's hard to understate what he's done for this program. What's your perspective? 
Yeah, it's remarkable. And you go back to his days at Ole Miss. Uh, I thought that that was ridiculous that they let him go after a injury-plagued losing season, one of those seasons where everything that could go wrong went wrong, and it's to Duke's benefit that they got him. I, I think when you take a look at Coach Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe you get a guy that's uh, – one of the best head coaches in the game, always gets the most out of his team. And, you know, when I factor in my nine sets of power ratings, which take the talent of the team into the schedule, I usually bump Duke up one or two because they've managed to finish ahead of where I've had them expected in the uh, the first five or six years of the Cutcliffe era. And so I, I learned my lesson. I said, you know what, this guy's always going to get this team to overachieve, and uh, that's pretty much been his M.O. Your, your magazine and the publication comes out. Everybody's super excited about it in the the media world. And I think it's important for people to know and to get a sense of the amount of work that goes into it. When do you start working on the next season's magazine? And what's the type of effort that goes into such a, uh, a jam-packed uh, publication and something with so much information? Yeah, we're already working on next year's magazine, but not in full tilt. I mean, we've got next year's schedules lined up on there. We're looking – doing some of the angles and things that you see on the pages because every game for this upcoming season has got uh, two, four different thought processes about the game, you know, the history of the series, home and away, things like that. So we're already started on that. But in reality, it's the Sunday after Thanksgiving is when we start full force because some of the team seasons are over. We can really get going on those right-hand pages, finalize the stats, and then we start to – extensive proofing process on the stats and i think you'll find that the stats in the magazine about 99.9 percent accurate and that's that really helps us out a lot and then we also start writing the teams as well we can do we do a post spring right through on every team where we uh take a look at this past season read through every article that was written about the team for the past year and then uh, do the post spring right the post season right through then the pre-spring right through uh, happens, uh, and that is when we get the spring prospectuses. We add in the freshmen into the thought process, any transfers in or out. And then I try to talk to as many of the coaches as I can. I did talk to over 100 of the 130 head coaches this year, and uh, the conversations generally take about an hour. Uh, go through every uh, player on the team, get some strengths, weaknesses, and make sure I've got all my players in the right order. And then after that conversation, we do the post-spring right-through. And so it's a six-month process, got about 15 people working on it, and a ton of hours poured into this magazine every year. College football expert Phil Steele joining us today on the Duke Day. David Glenn show, uh, David Schumann and Dave Harding here with you. Phil, I want to dive in a little bit more on uh, the schedule that the Blue Devils have, especially coming up early. Two tough road games uh, in September 8th and September 15th, both at Northwestern and at Baylor. The Blue Devils and Duke fans are a little bit more familiar with their home opener, Army West Point. But what do you see uh, from this Northwestern and Baylor squads that that could potentially give the Blue Devils uh, some fits? Well, Northwestern is going to be very dangerous in week two, and a lot, though, depends on their quarterback. Their quarterback, Clayton Thorson, one of the best in the country, uh, towards ACL in the bowl game. Now, they're, they're expecting him potentially back for the second game of the season, but you guys know how that works. It's a possibility, and uh, so whether or not Thorson's available is a big thing. They lose a pretty big piece of their offense in Justin Jackson, and Justin Jackson wasn't the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest running back but he was highly productive, another 1,300-yard season last year. They're probably going to fill his shoes with the Jeremy Larkin, who's only about 194 pounds, so he's not 
not quite with Justin Jackson. Uh, you know, when you look at it, is between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, the receiving core is good. Uh, the offensive line for Northwestern is number 30 in the country. The defensive line for Northwestern, look out for these guys. I got them ready at number 13. Uh, Jordan Thompson, Joe Gaziano are the top guys up front. Linebacking core rate number 18. And the secondary, number 48. So all three units rank in my top units. It's a very good Northwestern team, one that's number 25 on the experience chart. Now, last year, I think when Northwestern came into Duke, uh, they were maybe a little overconfident. You know, they came in favored. It's an unusual situation for them, and Duke really handed it to them. They just yeah. knocked the snot out of them start to finish. I think you're going to see a, a different Northwestern team on the field when Duke goes there. They'll be out looking for revenge. So that's going to be a tough game week two. How about uh, with Army West Point? Do you expect them? Obviously, they had a tremendous year last year. Do you expect them to be able to continue on with that success, or is there going to be a slight drop in their productivity? Yeah, and this is uh, this is actually a fairly experienced Army team. Uh, they don't normally return a lot of starters. They got eight starters back on defense. They do only have three starters back on offense. And the thing I like best there is Coach Cutcliffe usually does a pretty good job against option teams. If you look at how Duke has done versus option teams in the past, they usually hold them to a pretty good amount below their season average. Even though Duke last year lost at Army, they held them to 268 yards last year, which was 132 yards below their season average. Another advantage I like in that for Duke is it's a season opening game of this year. One of Army's advantages when they play games during the season is a team only has a week to prep for the option, and that in itself is a lot to go through. Well, Duke has probably snuck in some practice in the spring on the option, and they can spend a good portion of the month of August getting ready for Army's option. So I like the fact they're at home playing with revenge. I actually have Duke a couple touchdown favorite in that game. Interesting. Uh, uh, Phil, get your perspective on the ACC as a whole. It feels like a conference whose football reputation is on the rise. How do you think that plays into this upcoming season, and who are the players in your mind to contend in the ACC? Uh, Yes, the ACC is clearly a conference on the rise. In fact, I I I do an article in the magazine every year, and it's entitled, uh, Which Team is the Toughest Conference? And for about a 10-year stretch there, you could have entitled that article, well, we know the SEC is the toughest conference. Who's number two? But two years ago, I actually rated the ACC the toughest conference in college football. Clemson took home the national title, good games in the non-conference, and overall my power ratings, when I added them all up and divided them by the number of teams, the ACC came up number one. Now, last year, the ACC came up number three behind the Big Ten and the SEC. But uh, I think when you look at the ACC, you start off with Clemson, clearly a national title contender. And then Florida State, when I talked to Coach Taggart this spring, he really likes the talent he inherited. And let's keep in mind, Florida State was not really a 6-6 six and six team last year. I mean, they had the six-point loss to NC State. Alabama, they were only outgained by 19 yards in that game. Miami got the touchdown at the end of the game. They fumbled in Louisville territory. Louisville got a late field goal to beat them. Even the Clemson game, they were down by six in the fourth quarter and had the ball on Clemson's side of the field. So they, they really were a stronger team than that. I think Florida State's in for a big bounce back here. Extremely high on Boston College this year. I love their defense. Rated right a top 20 defense. They've got one of the top offensive lines in the country. A.J. Dillon, the best receiving core Adazio's had there. And then if Anthony Brown can stay healthy, look out. And I think Louisville poised for a bounce back season. And I like the depth of the Atlantic. I mean, you go down to even NC State, Wake Forest, and Syracuse is an improved team. So I think that that shows... Uh, that overall, but as far as the, the teams in the Atlantic that are contenders, clearly it's Clemson's uh, division to lose. But I would say Florida State 
and Boston College, I would throw up in that level. And then along with North Carolina and Duke, I mean, you have to look at Miami of Florida in the uh, the Coastal Division. And Miami is a, a team that's probably better than last year's squad. They've got uh, very deep on defense with seven returning starters. They've got a veteran quarterback coming back, Travis Homer running back. So I think Miami's a very strong team this year. Good stuff. Phil, we appreciate you coming on. Hey, a lot of fun as always, guys.